mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. Welcome to episode six. It is the week before break. And sometimes the week before break is not as productive as other weeks. So we're going to do a little bit of reflection of what we have done in our classroom. And then we're going to talk about the motivation behind why you want to keep teaching even when it's the week before break. (laughs) So we have been talking about order of operations and Tracy is super excited about some things where she has made the transition from I've taught you how to do order of operations, mm-hmm. and now you're going to apply it. So she's going to tell us some activities that she did, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Yep. So last in the last episode, in, ep- in episode five, you Ruth, you shared about this broken calculator idea that we got from the Math for Love website or blog. And I had seen it, but I hadn't ever tried to use it. And like you said, the week before break, our schedule's a little wonky, and we had this like random 15 minutes at the end of every day that wasn't enough time to do anything huge and new but you had to do something you couldn't just like let it all go for that much time so I whipped this out um and it has been one of my most favorite things all week so in case you don't know about what the broken calculator idea is um you tell the students that a few digits on the calculator are broken and then they have to get if you can't use those keys on the calculator, how, what would you type in to get some certain goal number? So I'm looking at us right in front of us. Um, today's work, uh, and the prompt was t- the keys two and five are broken. You can't use two. You can't use five. And you've got to make 22. And um, I just love the um, eagerness with which they were sharing ideas. You know, at first it was a little like slow and, you know, they would just start off with 11 plus 11, you know, kind of like, uh, and I've got 16 plus six, you know, they would just start off with addition, but pretty quickly they realized how exciting it was to give an answer that everybody around the room would be like, oh, you know, that's really cool. Um, I had to make a signal in my class for if somebody shared something that broke the rules so or didn't work because I didn't want them to just like call out no that's not it you know I wanted something where they maybe it would catch help that person catch themselves you know Mm -hmm. um so they're all raising their hand because they want to share an answer, but the raising the roof signal is the, wait, there's a problem here, instead of calling out. And it was really cool to watch them today. What happens is they get something in their mind, and they need a two. And so they use the two. They're not thinking about it, and then they accidentally use the two. And so all around the room, everybody's raising the roof, like, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Just so crazy. And then the person will look around like, what did I do? What did I do? And then they realize, oh, I used the two. Um, but then, because they couldn't use the two, then they started realizing, because of what they've learned from order of operations, that they can put one plus one in parentheses, and then they've got a two to use in the yeah, same way that they cool. would use a two. So we're looking at like, so they were trying to make 22, eight times three is 24, right? And then they wanted to subtract two. Well, they realized we can't subtract two. So they put in parentheses minus one plus one to subtract it. 
Um, and the other thing I'll say about this is I have a couple kids who are so they come with so much background knowledge. And sometimes I worry that I just don't challenge them enough. I mean, trying, but sometimes by doing less and less small group instruction and more and more trying to do more task based low floor, high ceiling. I'm like, sometimes I wonder that are those kids getting everything that, that I could be giving to them. Um, but this has challenged them though. That one particular student that I'm thinking of is forever trying to work decimals into it. And he, you know, was doing two tenths time something on a different problem. Or today he was really trying to figure out how to multiply one tenth times something to get 22. It was really cool. So you are talking about decimals and we did something like this. This is a Tracy called me this morning to say we're doing four fours. Yeah. And I just happened to be covering the STEM class, pulling out my hair because I covered the STEM class yesterday, too. And so I'm like, okay, it's on. And I just put up they could use four fours and find the numbers one to 20 as a class of 12. Well, they did it. And then I had to move to fives. But I had a student who used 0.5 times two. No, 0.5 times five. Okay. Was two and a half plus another 0.5 and she got a three. So because she got back to that whole number, she was so excited. Yeah, that's really cool. So that's that whole decimal thing that you said your student was trying to use. Mm -hmm. It actually worked with a student today. Yeah. So so that's the other thing that I did this week was the four fours challenge. And if you haven't checked, you know, if you haven't ever seen it before, it is one of the easiest to introduce and start and run with tasks that there there is. You know, it's just so it's that perfect low floor, high ceiling thing. Um, everybody was engaged. They Once I gave them some time to I didn't tell them too much ahead of time. I just was like, here's the challenge. And, you know, just you can use the four force to make all numbers one through 20. And I made them ask the questions, which starts the thinking happening, you know. Right. Um, I think we need to. I said low floor, high ceiling to a teacher in my building today as if that was something that everyone understood. Yeah. And not. So I actually Googled it. Like, where did that come from? What is the definition? And Mm -hmm. probably the best way to describe it is low floor means anyone can enter. Right. And high ceiling means there's not one right answer. Mm -hmm. There's not like, okay, I've finished this assignment. I'm done. Okay. There's always something else you can go. So when you get to task like this, you can break your calculator Mm -hmm. and make the task a little higher where the student who figured out that seven times three plus one for you was 22 may have been the highest that she could go. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're talking about when we say low floor, high ceiling. Right. And I feel like you and I talk about that like it's <laughs> yeah. part of everyday's, yeah. everybody's conversation. But, but, you know, two years ago, that wasn't in our no. in our language. So, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I feel like we have to slow each other down a lot to be like, wait, <laughs> somebody might not know what we're talking about. Slow down. Um, so you're asking questions to start your force challenge. Yeah. And it just... I've been struggling even since we talked about it last week about about warm ups in the morning. I'm still not getting them engaged quickly, you know, and this morning I put that up as their morning work. We had 
started the day before and I wanted them to continue. And it, it was sl- kind of slow getting started. And then all of a sudden I looked around and they were all spread out around the room writing their ideas on the board. I had made different pieces of paper around the room where they would write their expressions and they were talking about it. You know, there was much more mathematical conversation happening at 8.55 than there normally is. So it was slow to get started, but it turned out to be a good choice. It made me wonder, could I use tasks like that more during that weird morning time when they don't want to get started? So you could use that task because we did the four fours, but then I needed something at the end of my textbook practice today. What do I do when I'm done? Mm-hmm. You know, this student still hasn't finished problem two because it said estimate and they can't remember what estimate mm. means. <laughs> <laughs> And this girl's completely finished. Mm -hmm. And so I just said, okay, there's four fours. You can see how my class did it first period. I would like for you to use four fives. Yeah. Oh, you've done all the ones you could do on fives. Let's start another one. Go ahead and do four sixes. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you could do that. And they have, I've even seen it like with the the numbers of the math bowling. Yeah. Where you roll three numbers and then you use those three numbers to knock over every yeah. bowling pin. Yeah, we've done that before. And I've seen people do it with the um, digits of the year, you know, like right. two, zero, one, and eight. I've seen that happen before, too. Um, well, let me ask you, um, this is probably my last thing I'll say about four fours. So um, my class, I was trying to get them to check each other's expressions. You know, I really wanted them to see the value of parentheses, really. Mm, like, right. you know, you yes, you, in your mind you go four plus four times four, and you're thinking it through and it's mathematically working, but when then when they write it as an expression, it doesn't work because of the order of operations. So I was trying to get them to see where do you put parentheses? What's the value of the parentheses? What should you do if you want... All of this that you've just done, two different steps, if you want all of that to then all be divided by four or something, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So there's a lot of mistakes on what they wrote on those sheets. Do I, I probably should go back before I move forward to another one, right? Or do you think, I don't Mm. know. See, that's funny because I just, as they wrote the equation up on the whiteboard, I solved it mm-hmm. right there on the spot. So all 12 of them are trying to work on 20. And in our class, if someone had found 16, then you had to find another number. You couldn't find another 16. Uh, we had, Yeah, we had a bunch of different ways that, to make So we number. were working on it as a group. Okay. Like, can we get 1 through 20 as a group? Yeah. Um, and so they would put it up there, and I would solve it using order of operations and say that's in the wrong place it equals eight and no it doesn't missy because listen this is how i solved mm-hmm. it I'm like but that's not what it says so what do you have to do mm-hmm. so and for me i'm not teaching order of operations yeah. um you're filling I, in I just the stem teacher <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so i was i was counting on them to find each other's mistakes and their own mistakes so it was interesting the kids that struggled to understand what I meant when I was like, put it all in one expression. They were writing Mm -hmm. on their paper, four plus four equals eight. Then eight divided by two equals four, you know, and they were writing all these mini equations. But then Mm -hmm. I did have, I threw up one mistake up there and I did have a kid say, it's like you're making an expression out of all these equations. Or, you know, they used the words. It was kind of cool. 
um, use the right vocabulary. So I actually had two boys. I taught them on the fly. This is what factorial means. I I put it on my morning message and nobody ate it. I was so disappointed. So I showed them it means four times three times two times one. And they figured out it was um, 24. Well, one of my students just completely went off on his own with an Expo marker on three desks and was like, Today's November 16, Missy. Can I figure out what 16 factorial is? <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> Tracy, he did it. And at the end of class, he had this number in the trillions. Oh, my gosh. And so I said, hey, Siri, what's the factorial of 16? And she read it to him. He was, he's like, Missy, I'm only one digit off. I'm like, wow. yeah, but it's a million. Wow. But he's like, yeah, so... It was really cool. Wait, he was like... He was he, only one digit off. So he had gotten... His factorial 15 was correct. He had not made one multiplication <laughs> mistake. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, man. Poor kid. No, just kidding. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. So try those two tasks. That's what, I, that's what I'm encouraging you. These are... Um, especially if you're, you know in like fifth or above, I feel like this four fours thing they can tackle. And maybe even maybe even before that in fourth grade, um, you're just going to have to support, scaffold the whole part about writing and expression, mm-hmm. you know, correctly. Because I don't think you'd want to put something on the board that's mathematically incorrect. Correct. Yes, know? I would completely agree. But when kids can do something that is that much of a higher level, they just feel so successful. I mean, we're laughing about a kid who wants to figure out what 16 factorial is, (laughs) but he just was beaming all day. That's awesome. I love it. All right. And broken calculator. Give it a try. That's awesome. Even even my first first grader can do the whole broken calculator idea. And so I think the reason that you did this is because of the book club that we did this summer, where for me was my first introduction to I had heard low floor, high ceiling task, Mm -hmm. but man, sometimes you just feel so overwhelmed with where do I start? And Tracy Zager wrote the book, Becoming the Math Teacher You Wish You'd Had. Mm -hmm. And Tracy and I spent the summer together with- Well, Tracy, me, Tracy, not Tracy Zager. That's confusing. Oh, right. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we spent the summer with some other teachers who- did exactly what the title is. Like, we just want to become the math teachers that we wish we'd had. And we're sitting here looking at her book, and I have post-it notes on every single page of stuff I don't (laughs) want to forget. And because it's in October when sometimes you are worn out from teaching, maybe you just need a little more zip. And looking at these notes from what we learned this summer... I think we both have confirmation of yeah. this stuff works because yeah. we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I should do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of my favorite ones that we talked about was notice and wonder mm-hmm. that she talks about. That's what mathematicians do. So I have my notice and wonder <laughs> shirt on, Ruth. <laughs> you hadn't did. seen it. I just unzipped my vest. <laughs> There we go. I'm wearing my Notice and Wonder Woman shirt today. Thank you very much. Okay, sorry. So Sarah Vanderwerf is another math teacher that I love to listen to. And I just listened to her do a podcast where she talked about 
how often students notice and wonder in her class. And I've done that this year in my class. Yeah, me too. But I've had them write it Mm -hmm. because I forgot that Sarah does stand and talks. So she puts up a task, something for you to notice, the one that is most easy for me to talk about without showing a picture of, Mm -hmm. um, is the egg task. And so instead of the word problem, how much would seven eggs cost if a dozen eggs were two twenty nine? Just that putting that problem up there, you've already shut down so many students because they know that someone is going to answer it. And so they don't even try. Yeah. So for her, it's a picture of an egg carton with five empty holes. There's seven eggs in the carton and it's sitting on some kind of decorative background or maybe it's the grocery store thing. So there's other things in the pictures to notice and wonder. And she gives one to students and she says, stand up, walk at least three tables away from where you are. Mm -hmm. And you have exactly 120 seconds to talk to the person about what you notice and what you wonder. Mm -hmm. So her two minutes is up. They come back. They sit down. She hands them a piece of paper now. The other one was a colored picture on cardstock. She said it makes them feel official if they're holding cardstock. And she annotates everything they've noticed and wondered. And eventually someone says... I wonder if you have to pay the whole dozen price if you only get seven Mm -hmm. eggs. Well, how do you figure out seven eggs? And maybe you'll have someone who does a proportion because they understand math. But most of the time, kids are going to figure it out different ways. Mm -hmm. And you have this whole conversation about this problem instead of um, what I think, I forget what the word is. It's a debatable question like, How could you figure this out? Or what's the easiest way to figure this out rather than what does one egg cost? Yeah. Um, So I don't know. The whole stand and talk and giving them one question that could last their beginning time is so much more beneficial than solve these five problems and we'll talk about the answers. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm looking at, so we pulled up our notes from the book club and my, I'm looking at something I highlighted that I happened just this week, which was, um, a kid, two kids were sitting beside each other and one kid says, this is, well, I got four. This is easy. I think we were working on the four fours. Uh, This mm -hmm. is easy. And the other kid just really reacted to it. This is not easy. And I'm getting really frustrated when you, everybody's talking and then you're saying it's easy. I mean, I was so proud of him for articulating what made him upset. And that's a huge point in the, in the first or one or first or second chapter, mm-hmm. I forget, um, is how te- you had to teach kids that that's harmful language. When you say in math, this is easy because there is somebody beside you who is not finding it easy. And right. you she are, calls them thorny words. Yeah. You are shutting them down when you say that. And so it made me go, oh, I had committed to teaching them that. And so I stopped and taught. You know, I said that. And the kid who said it was like, oh, you're so right. Yeah. I mean, he knew. But it's it's not as ingrained in them. You know, what is ingrained in them is that word yet. Because last year in the stream lab mm. and then this year with all the um, U-cubed stuff, we just pushed the word yet and how if somebody says, I can't get it, 
forever there is a kid beside them going, yet, you got to say yet, I can't get it yet. They are always <laughs> correcting them, each other. And, and sometimes they'll just like, they're really frustrated and they're like, I'll hear them say to themselves, I can't do this yet. <laughs> you know, like, right. I'm saying it, Miss Bravo, okay. <laughs> um, but that, like, they listen to what you teach them when it comes to the thinking about the thinking, you know? Um, so I need to go back and t- talk about what can we say besides this is easy. And I think there's a benefit in that because I told you that I have some college kids and instead of saying, yes, you're going to teach a lesson and I'm teaching dividing decimals and I hopefully will have already taught this so you can teach this part of Mm -hmm. it. I just said, pick your day and whatever day you teach, teach one of these lessons from Joe Bowler's week of inspirational math. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if it goes along with what we're doing. It'll just be a nice break and you'll be able to, you know, reiterate what I did at the beginning of the year. And so my college girl came in and um, she taught the lesson where they had to figure out the lines of symmetry and fold their paper in such a way that they could cut these shapes with one cut. And one of the shapes was a five pointed star. (laughs) So here's an eight and a half piece of eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And you fold it in such a way that when you cut it one time, it's going to turn into a star. (laughs) And that was their direction. Okay. And I just was like, oh, my word, you have got to tell them more than that. But she didn't. Yeah. She was completely fine with them just like, well, let me see what happens when I do this. And let me see what happens (laughs) when I do this. There was white paper everywhere. (laughs) And I was not in control of my class. But so much math happened that day. Like that's when the most math happens when you're not in control and you're not saying this is how you this is how you think about it. Now, I did not do that with my other classes. I let (laughs) my second period class have that time. But. It was so beneficial. I mean, they got all kinds of vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, you made a scalene triangle. Whoa. You know, oh, so they, they were getting that from you or they were saying? No, they were getting that from her. She okay. was able to say, oh, look, you did this. Oh, you look. Whoa. I was at my desk folding paper trying to figure out how to make <laughs> a five-pointed star. Did you do it? Wanting to say, I can't do this. <laughs> and yes, I did. Yet. I, yet. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, man, it was great. And it's a reminder of sometimes you just have to let go and let things. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you had been observed by a principal, you would not have gotten a great yeah. write-up because it wouldn't have been classified as good teaching, but it was good learning. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see. What else What else are, like, some of your takeaways? We're scrolling through our notes here. So one of the takeaways for me was the way that you ask questions like there's a I don't know she had a worksheet where it said you know here's a you're going outside to play in the snow and here's a table oh yeah count the number of people across the top count by twos across the bottom answer the question how many mittens do you need if four people go and Mm -hmm. there were so many words on the page and this is like a second third grade task I don't know maybe second grade task but I have actually done that with every little first grader that I've come in contact with. (laughs) And I just say, 
how many mittens would you need or how many friends could you have over to your house if your mom had 10 mittens? So I didn't even ask them the mittens. I asked them how many. I even asked it backwards. So it was even like a division problem in yeah. first grade. Yeah. And just to listen to them go at it. I mean, yeah. the difference between a plain white piece of paper with those words at the top and a whole worksheet covered with words that maybe your first or second graders can't even read. Yeah. And then just a tiny little ratio table that they have to fill in <laughs> that has no meaning. Yeah. It doesn't, when you look at that particular worksheet that's in, it's in the book, um, it doesn't even really match the strategy that it says at the top of the paper. It's just a terrible, <laughs> terrible worksheet to, or task or anything to give little people. And I I feel like a big learning thing for me from this book is that if you make, if you, every time you give context to something, they you you wrap what you're trying to learn in a un, in a context that they can understand. They can do so much more than you think they can, or they can do so much more than just a naked number problem. That's the same thing that you're asking them. Like you're saying, ten mittens, you know, split into groups of two. You couldn't throw a ten divided by two in front of a group a first grader, but they can do ten divided by two when you provide yeah. the context. Tracy, I threw a picture of my new puppy up. That weighed two pounds and two ounces. Mm -hmm. And then a picture of my friend's dog that we were babysitting who was eight pounds and five ounces Mm -hmm. and just said, I wonder how many of my puppies it would take to equal one of her puppies. Hmm. They ended up making ratio tables like two and two sixteenths of a pound four and four sixteenths of a pound. And then someone said, well, why don't we just convert it all to ounces and then we can have whole numbers. Hmm. I I was amazed at how much math they did because there were two cute puppies. (laughs) There weren't, I didn't have any words. I didn't have any numbers. I just was like, this is my dog. This is her name. This is how much she weighs. Yeah. You can even read the scale. They, she was sitting in a kitchen scale, two pounds and two ounces. Rich discussion about why she does not weigh 2.2 pounds. Oh, yeah. Right? Someone was like, because we don't use the metric system in America. Wish we did. (laughs) (laughs) So you're right. You give it a little bit of context. And that was my whole lesson. That Mm -hmm. took the whole class. Cool. We just kind of talked through it a little bit. They were in groups bouncing off ideas. Wait, let me go back. You said you had a crappy week. Did you do that this week? I did that this week. So you got to take it back. So I'm remembering like the 10, 12 kids in each class who got it now that we're talking about it. But when you asked me about it, I remembered the two or three kids who were like, I don't even know, just had bad attitudes. Yeah. Yeah. This is just too hard. I can't do this. I don't have any more paper. Yeah. (laughs) Turn your paper over. Like, (laughs) (laughs) oh. Okay, so this is in our notes from chapter 9, 10, and 11. Okay. Um, but so I wrote in our notes that intuition, What? well, these are just words that we're not used to using as math teachers. Let's say that, right, from right. the start. Okay. And I hadn't even known them except for that in my classes, right before we were reading this Tracy Zager's book, we had started reading about this in my algebra class that I was working oh, on. Oh, okay. So it, I really, like, connected with this part because I was reading it 
for school and then I was reading it for fun here. But so intuition is that gut feeling that you have about a problem or a strategy or something. And I I saw that this week in the four fours because I threw that up there and I'm assuming that they were like quickly doing some you know, the easiest computations that came to their mind. And you don't know how many kids were like, you can't make odd numbers. We can't do this. You can't make a seven. You can't make a one. Like they were just throwing out these intuitions to begin with. But then other kids, you know, were kind of coming back with them like, yes, you can. You know, Um, I just heard that intuition idea Hmm. come out. Um, But then you move into reasoning and proof. And I did have... I'm thinking of the same kid who said that later said, well, it's impossible. You can't make this number and this number and this number and this number. And I just wonder how I'm going to get him from his proof is I don't have one yet, so you can't do it. That's false. You know, that's not proof that works yet. So um, I wonder how I'm going to get him to a place where he doesn't give up so quickly. You know, and then also sees that that's not proof for it's impossible. Impossible is a pretty strong word to use in math. Don't you think? It's a pretty strong word. We used it this week. Yeah. So we're multiplying decimals or dividing decimals. And you have to understand that the identity property is necessary for you to write an equivalent division problem okay you're gonna have to unpack that because we've right. been talking about that all week and most people are like what the heck did she just say so if we're gonna do one and two tenths divided by three tenths okay okay the teachers teach we know that you move the decimal right and you make the problem 12 divided by three until you move the decimal until your divisor is a whole number exactly That's a, what we've learned okay so and what had the same number of times you move it in your divisor, you move it in the dividend. Okay, that's your rule, right? But that's not enough in my class. You okay. have to know why. Okay, so we have to do lots of things. I have to unpack it for many days. Okay. First of all, you have to know that you can write that as a fraction. One the and two division tenths problem. Mm-hmm. divided by three tenths can be written as a fraction. Okay, and then you have to know that you can multiply any fraction by one, and it's the same. Mm-hmm. So you multiply one and two tenths over three tenths times ten tenths. Ten tenths is one. Yeah. That is the identity property. Multiplying a number by ten is why you change it, is why you shift that place value. Mm -hmm. So 12 divided by three is now four. So we that's why this week was so long for me (laughs) because I refused to say here's the rules yeah we spent a day on the identity property we spent a day on different ways to write division problems and if one divided by two is the same as 10 divided by 20 Mm -hmm. then the answers are the same and that is a super hard thing for them to grasp but when you go little by little and you give them that stuff they were able to understand okay I think I get this, yeah. you know, so maybe it was just this week was hard because I taught hard mm-hmm. and now they're going for a break. <laughs> and are they going to remember everything that I taught? Fingers hard. crossed. Yeah, we hope. So that's the proof 
that you were talking about was there isn't, it was impossible to have an equivalent division problem without the identity property. You have to be able to multiply something by one. And we had so many, so many discussions about, Hmm. well, what if you just multiply two on the top and two on the bottom? That's what my teacher said last year. Well, what is that when you multiply two on the top and two on the bottom? Mm -hmm. That's multiplying it by two halves. That is one. Mm -hmm. And that is the identity property. Hmm. Hmm. You have me thinking. (laughs) Um, So you used used impossible correctly. That's what you're saying. Right. My kid. It's hard. Yeah. You know, because there are so many things where you can say, but, Mm -hmm. except this. Mm Mm-hmm. We did. We um. We accidentally stumbled upon the whole divided by zero thing, and that threw us for a loop. <laughs> it just falls into the same category of impossible, you know, uh, right. kind of really messy. Um. So, yeah. some one of my students asked me if zero over zero was one. Oh, <laughs> that's what I said. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like. <laughs> Mm, no no (laughs) (laughs) moving on (laughs) n over n equals one but not zero yeah when when n does not equal zero zero. (laughs) yeah there you go yeah i i um that came up because of the task the order of operations task that i think we talked about in a previous episode Mm. and they had put the zero in as the divisor and then when they would get there they'd be like what is it is it zero is it one is it four you know um and so I didn't go into great detail, but I tried to be, you know, say it's undefined. It's not a number. It's not zero. You can't write zero. You can't have an undefined number plus four and then call it four. I, they were a little you didn't like. didn't ask Siri? Well, this kid told me. He said, <laughs> I, I asked Siri something divided by zero and it broke my phone. I'm like, I don't believe you, but okay, haha. You know. Oh, have you ever asked Siri I, about I, something? Yeah, like, yeah. Something about cookies and. You don't have any cookies and you don't yeah. have any friends yeah. and you are sad. <laughs> I should I should have done that. To, he would have liked it. All right. Well, are there any other things from your um, from reading through this book that maybe looking back at the notes, you're like, oh, I, I've wanted to do that, but that I haven't done yet. So I think a lot of it, too, is just believing in your students Mm, yeah you know I mean it's really easy to teach the students how to say I don't get this yet Mm -hmm. but it's really hard for sometimes as a teacher to not think you're not going to get this Mm -hmm. you know and I really have had I have some students who really struggle this year and this is just giving given me opportunities for them to experience success yeah being able to come up with tasks where they can enter and be safe Mm -hmm. because sometimes all you have to do is notice something yeah you don't have to have the right answer you are part of this class and you are part of this discussion because math is really low floor and Mm -hmm. everybody is a math person yeah so for me i've just seen a difference in how I look at my students because I'm able to give them that opportunity to be part of the lesson. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
Um, I have had a lot of students who have, are they're a better able to articulate how they solved problems and they're not as embarrassed maybe as they used to be to speak out and say, I did this differently with this work every mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. you know, that those kind of opportunities for them. Um, I don't know. I just like that. Well, like today we're doing division and they were trying to figure out how many times 42 went into 365. Okay. So I just went to the front of the class and said, how many of you memorized your 42 times tables? <laughs> this would probably be easier if you memorized your 42 times yeah. tables. Was this, was there a context or this is just so a So it was just problem? a division problem in the textbook okay. that we, I had done over and over. But yeah. in this one particular class, I said, so let's just make a list of multiples of 42. How do you do that? And someone was like, just keep adding 42. Mm-hmm. And then a student says, well, I just make a list of 40s and make a list of twos and add them together. What? Tracy, it was so <laughs> cool. So he wrote down the side of his page, 40, 80, 120, 160, 200, 240, oh. 280, 320. Yeah. And then... Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, and then added them. What? That's amazing. I, like it was so easy. There was no regrouping. Yeah. And there you have a list of forty twos. Wow. So, a couple problems later was a word problem, and you had to figure out how many six dollar and twenty five cent tickets were sold to make seven hundred and some dollars. Mm-hmm. And I go over to Malia's paper, and she's written on her paper 600, 1200, 1800, 2400, 20, 40, 60, 80, 5, 10, 15, 20. And she's adding those three. So she's writing the numbers in expanded form and adding them and getting her multiples for 625. And are did she get that from that yes. kid, first kid? After he <sighs> said to the class... <laughs> On that note, <laughs> that's awesome. That's the whole point. Exactly. Like, that you let them share the their thinking and then someone else uses it. Hello. That's yeah, awesome. And where there's not in a math book. Yeah. Because I did not ever think <laughs> You of didn't that. even know that. Yeah. Oh. But it doesn't take a lot of math knowledge for me to be able to say yes. That absolutely will work every single time. Mm-hmm. You want to count by 47s? <laughs> count your 40s and count your 7s. Yeah. Oh, you want to count by 50s and subtract 3? Yeah. You know, there's so many different ways to do it, which is, yeah, the benefits from knowing how to write a list of multiples like that rather than just figure out how many times 442 goes into 365. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, for real, we need to stop on Malia because (laughs) (laughs) she took it and applied it. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, 
we must admit we are not um, recording this before breakfast because before breakfast on our normal day was a fake snow day. It didn't right. really snow, but we got out of school or two you hours. You got out of school. Did you yeah. get out of school? No, two hours. You oh, got yeah. two we hours. Got a two hour delay. Yeah. Bedford County got out. Yeah. So anyway, we're we're this is math after dessert, but <laughs> tonight. <laughs> um, but do we do you have a takeaway? So I think my takeaway has to be that as teachers, we can decide whether to say that our week was good or bad mm. based on how much good there was. And that one little piece of I am so frustrated with mm-hmm. this, that parent email or the one kid who didn't turn in his assignment after you gave him grace and mercy. Yeah. Do you focus on that and let it define your whole week? Right. Or do you sit down with a friend and are like, holy cow, there's some really <laughs> cool math really in my stuff. class. Yeah. 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 That's good. And you made me realize that my week was better than I thought, too. I had some frustrating <laughs> moments. But, yeah, some really cool math happened. Um, so mine is the the it's easy. That was easy comment. I, I need to have that lesson, that mini lesson as part of my instruction. Like it's worth it. It's important. Um, and so I'm going to do that next week. Cause we don't even, I don't even really teaching the next two days. You're, you're off. You're, you're right. You're, she's teaching a professional development. Ooh, good luck. And, <laughs> um, but when I, when we come back from Thanksgiving break, like that's gonna be one of the first that things I do. That can be one of your warmups. Yeah. Why? What if your warmup was what would you like to hear instead of this is easy? Yeah. And that's let a good them... idea. Like w- maybe the first question could be, how do you feel when somebody says this is easy and it's not easy for you? And yeah. then the second question could be, what would you say? <gasps> good idea. Okay. Thanks, Ruth. All right. Well, I'll see you in the morning for a run. In the morning for a run. <laughs> okay. So Trip wandered downstairs during our, the recording of our episode, and we had already put my daughter on the podcast, so we decided we would ask him a question from our this episode, and so let's go ahead and do that now. So Trip, tell us how old you are and what grade you're in. I'm in, well, I'm seven, and I am in first grade. Okay, and what do you think about math? It is probably my favorite thing of um, school. Oh, just of school, not of life? Oh, not not of life, but of school. (laughs) All right, so can you read this problem in front of us? And you and I are going to just talk about it. And you're going to be able to solve it however you want. But I just want to be able to watch you and see what happens in your brain. So will you read this? Your mom has 10 minutes how many friends should you invite to your house so that you can all have mittens? Mittens. So it's like a snow day, right? Yeah. And you're having your friends over, but the rule is you have to be able to have mittens to go outside because it's cold. So that. Would so mean you have five. ten mittens. What would be five? Um. We. Um, I could invite five friends over. Do you have five friends that you would invite over? Yes. Okay, who are they? Weston. Okay, Weston. DeQuill. Okay. Aiden. All right. Steven. Mm-hmm. And Reese. Okay. So you're going to give how many mittens to each person? Two. 
So count your mittens. Two, four, four six, six, eight, ten. What about you? I don't know. I would just watch them because I don't like snow. What? No, I You don't. would invite these guys over to your house and sacrifice a pair of mittens for them? Because you don't like snow. Yes. So let's pretend you like snow. Okay. How many friends would you invite over? Four. Okay. I won't ask you which one wouldn't get invited because you already were like the sacrificial friend. Yes. So what if your mom had 17 mittens? So then I can invite those five friends. Right. So how many mittens would that take? Ten. Right. And then I would play in it. And then it would um, take 12. Okay. And Do you like that I'm writing this for you instead of you writing it? Yes. Okay. Um, and then there could be um, so 14, then 16. So that means there would be one spare mitten. And you know what I just saw you do that was so cool? What? You just said 14 and 16, and you spread your fingers apart because you knew that that was a pair of mittens. It is very hard for this starters. This was since, a pair of since mittens. Since I have practiced a lot, it is easy for me to do this.